0: I'm not a preacher, and I'm not drunk. I'm just a politician. Everybody, come out out of your houses. Client Cillian is going to make you a super U.N.P. All right. Welcome to the, uh, it's not the post-apocalypse, it's the uh, active apocalypse edition of Crackpot Cinema. My name is Mike McPadden. I'm the author of uh, Teen Movie Hell and Heavy Metal Movies. Joining me across the country in Los Angeles is... Aaron Lee,
1: uh, comedy writer and producer for TV shows like Family Guy and Superstore.
0: and I go back a ways, uh, 1993... We were publishing zines, I in Brooklyn, he in Lexington, Kentucky, and uh, I think we were kind of, uh, at the time, to various degrees, I think I much more so than you, were plugged into our budding toxic masculinity. Would you say so? <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean,
1: considering we uh, we went on to both work at Hustler Magazine together. <laughs> like yes, within I- a year. Like, yes, I would say we were, we're both, both uh, sterling examples of toxic masculinity.
0: <laughs> Although, you know, I, I got to say, I think I took it further than you uh, with my, my fanzine Happyland, which was named after the worst mass murder in New York City history up to that point, uh, you know, comically- Mocking the death of uh, it was like ninety five people, it might be more. I don't know when to get the number wrong, but it was a staggering amount of people that were killed in a fire at an illegal dance club. And Aaron had a, a really groovy zine called Blue Persuasion. Wait a minute, wait, wait so- a
1: minute. Are you saying you were more edgy than me, huh? I want to say I kept Is that I what you're saying? Mo- I was more. You real. were more yeah. intense. Yeah. More hardcore. Okay. I think fine, you were
0: whatever. a weak- I think you were a real weekend warrior. That was uh, something uh, uh, I was accused of on occasion. Oh, that's As interesting. Be, being a weekend warrior, just basically a poser. Also, yeah, also a yuppie, a Wall <laughs> Street yuppie. I was called by Steve Puchalski of Crackpot. Of oh my god, Crackpot's us, Shock Cinema yeah. Magazine. <laughs> that's funny. And uh, yeah, so uh, but I want to point out that one of my favorite uh, little tidbits about Aaron Lee trivia is. Uh, the original name of your fanzine, I'll never forget, was "Stab Your Back," and you were going to put it. You were going to put that's it. Out, good. You were going to put it out as Aaron Anger.
1: That's good. I, I don't. You know, I vaguely remember that. I now I wish I had stuck with that. Maybe at age forty-eight, I will start publishing "Stab Your Back" fanzine by Aaron Anger. By
0: Aaron Anger. Well, I mean, it was interesting because uh, our zines were were similar, as we are similar, but um, yours was the nice version.
1: hmm And mm-hmm.
0: it was akin to, uh, you know, Ron Bennington is a, is a tremendous uh, radio host uh, at uh, Sirius XM, and for years he had a show called Ron and Fez that uh, I could listen to with my mother when we were, like, in the car or something, because I remember her saying to me... Uh, you know, this is like Howard Stern, but it's nice. And I said, that's right. kind of like uh, Aaron is like me, but he's nice. So, right. <laughs> but uh, anyway, let's, I want us to go back and, and, and just reconnect with our toxic masculinity and have a full-blown meltdown this episode as we examine three gems of toxic masculinity meltdowns. And and this is a really specific genre, Mike. I, I mean,
1: like of of you know, guys getting together, four guys, uh, to to blow it all out and being bad boys. And and I was trying to think what what is the what is the genesis of all these movies? Is it Deliverance? Is that the godfather of the the genre?
0: I mean, certainly. Um Deliverance comes up with our our middle film, Pray for the Wildcats. Uh, I don't think so because those guys were just going out to have a good time. Like they weren't even like roughing it or, you know, I mean, they were just going to go whitewater rafting for a weekend and they had horror thrust upon them. Whereas these films are all about embracing horror. And to a degree that happens in Pray for the Wildcats. But at the same time, you know, horror is afoot as they go into the situation.
1: Yeah, I guess, I guess just with Deliverance, it, it's the thing of four guys who are various uh, archetypes of masculinity uh, being, yes, you're right, it, that is, it's totally inflicted on them from the outside, them confronting the nightmare, bizarro world masculinity of the, the rednecks. and the, Yes, so you're saying these movies we're looking at are self-inflicted, as opposed to someone coming from the outside and inflicting it on them.
0: Yeah, no these these are guys like you know setting the house on fire and then running into the inferno,
1: right? Right. What a what a what a weird thing to be a genre. Yeah.
0: How, how, how and, bizarre. and there's like some like, you know we we are we aren't even getting to all of them. I mean, as you said, it's very specific and it's not a huge genre. I had a little bit of a challenge. We were initially going to do four movies. Um. And we were going to do The Men's Club from 1986, which I ended up watching. And we can save that for a different occasion. And that was uh, that was like these movies, but less so. But again, and that was like, I don't know, like 12 guys or something. But the same deal. They they all get together for one night of just, yeah, torching everything. Debauchery. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, I, you know, who knows what brought this on and what kept it going
1: through the years. And and you know we can talk about this later, but there's interesting as you and I discussed in talking about this concept of show. There's interesting subgenres of this genre. There's the the like kind of late '90s, early 2000s uh, dead dead stripper or dead prostitute at the party yeah. genre. The very bad yeah. things which they got a couple of stag moves on was
0: the other one, yeah.
1: And, and, and that was then,
0: that 90s nihilism again Just, you know, where, like, Dead Hooker was a, a constant A joke, yeah uh, punchline, like an archetypal punchline yeah. Which I guess, like, the first person to really make hay of that was Norm MacDonald no, Yeah,
1: it was Norm, yeah And,
0: that you know, and Norm of course, McDonald's. you know, he was brilliant about it And then you end up with, like, the, uh, the Twisted Twins uh, Whatever those two uh, horror ladies are that uh, really, really blow and suck. And then and then utterly beguile male nerds at horror conventions. Because they're like, you know, sexy twin sisters that make scary, sick movies. And they just have a movie called Dead Hooker in a Trunk. And then so, there's...
1: And, and those movies and are
0: terrible, by the way. I want to just point that out. I hate very bad things and, st- and all that. And then, you I know, there's like a female twist them. on it. Uh... One of the, like, so then they, you had, like, the post-Bridesmaids movies where it was, like, women behaving badly, like, you know, sisters uh-huh. are going to fuck shit up for themselves. And there's one with a dead male stripper that I watched that I don't remember, because I, I watched, like, three of those at once. And uh, this one had, I believe, Ilana from Broad City was in it. I think it was this mm-hmm. one, and I don't think it was the one with Bridget Everett. In it. But I can't remember, because well, they're all... A well, this, this genre really did...
1: Eventually swallow all of comedy because of the hangover which was the yeah. it, you know the mainstream comedy version of it and it just took over all of comedy so so yeah it's a it's 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 weird to me that i haven't seen this explored that much as a genre but it's it's definitely a a virus you'll you'll hear a lot of my thinking go there during this yeah. podcast uh, that took over uh that took over all of comedy in an interesting way
0: and it's interesting that the path that leads to the hangover, because I keep saying, you know, I don't know if we've discussed this on the show, but the whole late 90s, early 2000s, like into and out of nine eleven, the Maxim Magazine hyper-bro culture that really was just mainstream culture momentarily, where you had the Man Show and... Shock jocks on the radio, just like actively torturing naked women on the air, and you know all this was beyond, you know, the acceptability of uh, like South Park, and and uh, there's something about Mary, you know, like really just taking John Waters' elements of humor and Hustler magazine elements of humor and just putting it into prime time and into, you know, afternoon multiplex screenings, and you know, it led to this this moment of culture that is really kind of just erased. I don't know how with all the Me Too stuff, that isn't back there, except that perhaps in the wake of smartphones and social media, and that was, uh, everything is just forgotten. Everything prior to that is just sort of gone. Um, And that was the very last outburst of nasty mainstream culture mm-hmm. your thoughts yeah I,
1: I well i was just i was just thinking uh i i you know having worked on family guy i think i think we've you know i've said this to you before i i think one reason there hasn't been that as much of that kind of reckoning a uh, mass reckoning of like that that we've seen with other pop culture from the past of people going whoa I don't know. Whoa, John Wayne gave this interview in Playboy. Or <laughs> Came to or, mind. or or,
0: or jerk whoa, off have on you... Twitter goes, wow, John Wayne was a straight up piece of shit.
1: Yes. Or uh, whoa, have you watched the John Hughes movies lately? Yeah. One thing, one difference I think is that that pop culture you're talking about, South Park, Family Guy, it, it, it and to some degree, the Maxim part of the culture it 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 did occupy that role at the time at the time it was saying we are politically incorrect and offensive can you handle it um that that was kind of built into it in a way that it wasn't for John Hughes movies we we were just supposed to love and be affectionate about John Hughes right. movies right and very true th- yeah. and then and then I, the other thing is that i realized coming into family guy that's been really disturbing for me over the past couple of years is to realize like uh I started late on that show. And even still, I see kids on the internet write about episodes I worked on. Like, I, and when I say kids, I mean like 25 year olds saying, right, right. Yeah, remember that episode from when we were kids? And I'm yeah. like, Oh God, I was <laughs> yeah. 38 or whatever. You know? Um, so, so, so I guess my point is I think to them, that's just comedy. And that's comedy from that period when they were kids. And it would almost, it's almost like the same reason they don't go back and get really mad about old SNL skits. I've seen people do it, but it never really catches fire. It never catches fire because. It's it's there's no there's no frisson that's the word yeah, right there's right, no yeah, tension yeah. to to pointing out like yeah. this was offensive and and uh, you know it's like yeah we we know that's what they were doing uh, it, I think no there is some with South Park
0: uh, every so often on Twitter they there's an attempt to uh, cancel South Park to the point that the guys made that the show's logo uh, uh, rather uh, motto one season was hashtag cancel South Park. Right Uh, But not with Family Guy And I think that's uh, You know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna Speak out uh, For your boss Or anything But I think Seth has Like bulletproofed himself By being like One of the most Outspoken Hollywood liberals And And never mixing Like any kind of Untoward uh, Politics In with that And when I say Untoward I mean you know Violating the Liberal uh, 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 Hollywood mindset the where they actively try to tweak it and, you know, as we said, like, you know, walking around the party saying, what could be more punk rock than loving George W. Bush? Right.
1: And, and also, it should be pointed out, ex-boss. I, I don't want to be accused of dining out on Seth's good name when, when he doesn't give me, write me a paycheck anymore. So,
0: you know what? Let's, can we, hey, uh, s- shit, should we take that Oh, out? no,
1: no, I don't care. No, you don't have to take it okay. I, no, even leave, let's okay. even leave right. in this exchange. To, to ch- no, okay. it's, <laughs> right. no it's totally fine no i just yeah. yeah i just don't want our listeners to say like that asshole he hasn't worked for family guy for yeah. like six years or whatever it is
0: yeah well i i sir yeah i i understand that and i also want to say like i i love family guy i still watch it all the time and crack up the new ones even that you're not on that's it that's right <laughs> sorry Aaron. no yeah uh, um and uh, I, I've always thought it was way funnier than South Park. But you know, I, I admire both of those shows. Uh, so we've talked about a lot of stuff besides the movies that we're and talking. So about, let's so.
1: get into the what started it all. And like we said, started all this comedy, <laughs> toxic men.
0: Get yes, blown it out. The, the Big Bang, or should we say, Grande? Bon. Oh wait, wait!
1: Before we do, <laughs> I had two suggestions yeah. for you know. We've come up with our thumbs up, thumbs down. All right, here, oh, here yeah. oh, here's please. my suggestions for the toxic male. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. Macho or Nacho? Okay, I like that. Okay, dude or duty? <laughs> because I just that was the only <laughs> shit joke when I get there, and it's always been a shit joke so far.
0: That's true. <laughs> what What if we said dude or douche? <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah, dude or douche. Fine. Dude or douche. Damn, I feel I I've, I I have failed you and I have failed our audience. I, I wish I had thought about what our uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. Hey,
1: as long as we got one, dude or douche, bro or no. That's
0: good, I, uh, bro or no. I also had
1: male or meh. That was the that was the other one.
0: Eh, how about bro or no? Okay, okay let's
1: let's. What do you like, dude or douche or bro or no? Let's do dude or douche because at least it has a a naughty word in it. uh, It has a bad word in it, yeah. And and we're being being bad boys. We're being toxic males, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So
0: So we'll go in uh, chronological order and uh, we'll begin with (laughs) Le Grand Boof. So this was a movie I had heard, uh, this was legendary. And I first heard about it, my friend Springo, who is a uh, character that. We mention often on this show That eventually we will have him on Uh, He told me that He told me this film existed And a lot I always have to Take what Springo says With a grain of salt Because uh, You know He's one of the weirdest guys I've ever known He's the funniest guy I've ever known But he occasionally um, Will tell me something That is not true Like he just mixes in Like a lie With these many Mind-blowing truths He shares with me And uh, so I want to say, this is what you need to know about Springo. I met him, he was my uh, suite mate in college, my freshman year. So I'm 17 years old in August of 1986, and I go to SUNY Purchase. And we're sitting there, and everybody on the floor is an hour. We had a suite, so they're in the common room of our suite. We're doing the round-robin get-to-know-you thing. And he goes, uh, you know, hi, my name is Springo. Uh, I don't like any music after 1968 except for one song every year and this year that song is <laughs> who's johnny by el Barge. good song good one <laughs> and i said <laughs> and i said okay this guy's going to be my best friend because <laughs> that was you know and again this is the mid 80s at art school and it, it was so aggressively out of the box weird i couldn't believe such a thing could happen but springo one time told me that We were talking about weird movie retitlings in foreign countries. One of which was uh, for the movie Tough Guys, which we reviewed on our Crackpot Kirk Douglas episode. It was called like, I don't know, in Italy or something. It was called Archie and Harry, they can't do it. And then uh, he told me, yes, Sleeper in Germany was called (laughs) The New York Jew Meets the Robot. (laughs) And for the next 15 years, I walked around like repeating that like it was fact. (laughs) <laughs> but anyway, Springo told me his parents, went, they got dressed up with like other, they lived in the suburbs, and they had like a nice night out with their friends, uh, and, and got dressed up, and went to like the fancy art theater up in Westchester, and went to see Le Grand Boof. and his mother came home traumatized, and his father thought it was just a, a howling good time. So I was never sure if this movie was real or not until I could confirm it. And then uh, Springo and I watched it whenever it came out, like on DVD 20 years ago. And uh, it was it was a hell of a thing to revisit on this incredible Arrow video Blu-ray that is available now. And um, it's quite the experience. It's, it's a great film. It's a silly movie. It's boring. It's amazing. It's uh, it's an entire universe of toxic masculinity and shit and piss and tears and vomit and uh, I'm glad to have watched it twice. I don't know that I want to watch it a third time, but I want to say it's a it's a I'm gonna I mean I'll, immediately I'm just gonna say that it's a dude, but. Uh, Loaded with douche and and
1: and and you know and just to explain it's four four guys uh, and and boy with this this movie really gonna expose what a philistine I am by the way because I'm gonna mispronounce every every name of every actor so so feel free to correct me and uh, yeah and uh, mock me online but you you got uh, M- Michelle Piccoli right who was in yes. who was in Boonwell movie stuff. Marcello Mastriani from Eight and a Half, and you know the great Italian actor, Ugo Tognazzi, yes. who I was always—he was in, I think he was in Pasolini movies, which I think, and yes. and Philippe yeah. Noiret from Cinema Paradiso and Il Postino. These are these very classy actors. These four guys going to uh, eat themselves to death and have sex with prostitutes, and I mean, like when when we were talking about this as a genre at the beginning. Like four guys get together to party to an a, an extreme nihilistic degree. This is the this is the one movie where it's announced as the intention, like they are they are going to eat until they die. So yeah. so you know, so I was I was trying to think like God I, you know, I did not I, I should, this would this have been after discreet charm of the bourgeoisie? That was before. This was before. Okay, so this is before yeah. that. This is before Solo. I, I mean, like we're 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 all these. Yeah, it's real early seventy two. That's insane. So we're all these. So I, it makes me like it's just such a it's such a fascinating thing. Like I can and the director Marco Ferreri. I'm sorry,
0: Discreet Charm was the same year, so they were concurrent. Same year, okay. With one
1: another, yeah. It's um. It's just. It's just a. Uh, it's really hard to wrap your head around this movie. I don't really know a lot of other movies by Marco Ferreri, the director. I think I think maybe I saw what's the King Kong one that with Bye bye the, Monkey. Bye bye Monkey. I think I saw Bye bye Monkey. Um but I I guess it was an art film, right? I mean yeah. I clearly no, he's oh, making. yeah. No,
0: it was. It was at the time when, yeah, like suburban couples would go to see the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie and and La Grande Bouffe. It turns out. Yeah.
1: But I was when you were talking about John Waters, I was thinking like, you know, really, the impulse is the same as John Waters' films. It's still, it's the same kind of thing. It's just that Italy had a culture where you the the John Waters film would be aesthetically beautiful and incredibly well financed and with. Some of the right. most yeah. respected, experienced actors. But it's but it's still just as extreme and intense as uh, as as John Waters was doing at the yeah. time.
0: And we'll talk about... So yeah, so Ferrari is a fascinating freak. Um, yeah, I looked up some of his old movies. Yeah, Bye Bye Monkey, I could never get myself to watch because I know the monkey dies. That's why they say bye bye to <laughs> him. Um, the Ape Woman... Looked, it looks incredible. Never,
1: yeah, never saw it.
0: Based on the life of a real life uh, circus performer named Julia Pastrana, who had hair on her face. Dillinger is dead from 1969, which was sort of his international breakthrough. And a film you probably did see Tales of Ordinary Madness. Oh,
1: yes, I did. That's the Bukowski one,
0: right? Yes, Ben Gazzaro. Oh, I love Bukowski. that movie. Yeah. I
1: forgot that's him.
0: I love that movie. Yeah, yeah that was great. Yeah, we, we, we should work that in. Um, yeah. I remember like first learning about that. Uh, my father uh, would, in the early 80s, that was a 1981 movie, my father s- switched from uh, Playboy to like, you know, Erotic X Film and Adam Film World and stuff. And so, which was just, you know, perfect for me. Thank you, Pop. Because um, it was just, it was the, you know, the portal magazines that were covering the adult films of the time. One of them would would were more of them, I don't remember would occasionally cover R-rated or softcore movies. And I remember there was a spread on hots in one issue and then uh, a spread on like and a story on tales of ordinary madness. So I was ex- very excited to see that. And yeah, we should definitely work that in to an, a future episode. Uh, so and you want to talk about so the, the four masculine archetypes. you have uh, Marcello Mastriani is the pilot. And he's like the ladies' man. Mm-hmm. Or there's a great Australian term that I've learned from Kath and Kim. Pants man. He's a real he, pants man. He is. He's uh, a real pants man. Ugo Tagnazzi is the chef. So he's driving everything. Uh, Michelle Piccoli is a TV host who's sort of a feat. He does, like, ballet dancing. And then Philippe Nore is, is the judge who... Uh, still has a wet nurse <laughs> which is fascinating so there's you know I, I you know whatever that connection to feeding and eating and uh, also brings up a film called uh, the milky life from 1992 with mickey rooney which will be a staple of a future episode of crackpot oh, yeah um and all the actors all the characters share the same name as the actors which is interesting and uh they all believe they're failures, so you have to wonder, like, what brought this on? Did they all think they were failures at this point? Did they all, including Ferrari, and they got together, like, boy, we suck? You know, while they were while they were eat, they were eating, were eating, eating, too much, and smoking and fucking. Maybe coffee.
1: I mean Ferrari. You know, it was was the big time socialist. I. It's interesting you say that. I that makes sense to me with the actors. That makes sense. I mean, Mastriani. What's always interesting to me about him is like in some of his first films or first films that made him an international star, like eight and a half. He, that movie is him as the bitter washed up middle-aged guy, even though he looks like he's like 30, you know, he, he, so he was, he really embodied that role. And, um, so, so with the actors, I can buy it with, with Ferrari, to me, this, this didn't. This of all these movies seemed the least affectionate. And hey, this is us. This is just pure critique to me. Like,
0: yeah, that's very it's true. Just, too. At least yeah. from
1: him, the screenplay, the actors. Like I said, you, I get the impression. Like, yeah, they even using Mastriani and that he would sign on for it. It's like this is going to be. Yes, this is the ultimate extension of that. But um,
0: but yeah, this one is just pure um, yeah. pure critique to me. Whereas some. The, this is yeah your your classic late 60s Marxist artist literally absolutely
1: shit at them. whereas some of the others that we'll talk about are more like oh it's a hero story about transcending this or oh it's self-pitying and I me I'm the victim this is yeah. just like eat the rich stuff yes
0: yeah and uh, so now all of these movies I've noticed a trend like money is no object. They just, have, they just have money to just do whatever they want. There's always one rich guy that's paying for everything. Yes, who's, who's the biggest scumbag, and yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> and so they just, you know, they bring in this food, and you see, like, these whole animals coming off the truck and everything. And the food
1: all looks gross, uh, which is very, which is a fascinating yeah. choice to me. Like, there was no attempt to make it, like, you would... Th- I would have thought it'd be like, oh, at first it looks good, but then you start getting sick. And but again, this being like total critique, the food all looks disgusting right from moment one, and and you're like, these guys are gross.
0: Yeah, I would I would agree. Yeah, I was thinking of like other food movies. Uh, right, Riot's Feast was a movie that. Uh- <laughs> I was dragged to on a date. I, if I, but boy, that it food did. I don't good. remember
1: any farting, vomiting, or exploding toilets full nah. of shit
0: in Babette's Feast. Yeah. Nah. Mystic Pizza. That made me. Yeah. I was like, damn, I got to do up a slice as soon as right. I got. Right. <laughs> no. Like yeah. Legrand Boof. I didn't want to eat like a, a whole boar
1: or anything after. Legrand <laughs> Boof got to be on the list of the worst date movies ever. When you put it that way, just <laughs> thinking of yeah.
0: You know, and, and and the obvious double feature for this, and again, you know, the, the left-wing artist, you know, throwing shit on the wall is
1: Sweet oh, Movie. Oh, that's funny. I thought you were going to say Solo because I couldn't help think of the connections between those two. But, yeah, Sweet Movie, that's...
0: Yeah, I think Sweet Movie is closer. Solo is... is. It's but, a, you know, <laughs> I mean, see, certainly I understand I actually think Solo yeah. is closer.
1: Sweet Movie, to me, is more genuine hippie freak out it is more like it's yeah. th- that leads okay, some death yeah. drive stuff but it is yeah. more of a celebration this and solo are more you are you are animals who eat shit and yeah. this is the this the all this is yeah. is your uh wealthy society with the volume slightly cranked up that's all you're watching you know yeah
0: yeah So, uh, yeah, especially gross scene was with uh, the cow head. Yeah. Where he's, like, uh, just kind of marching around with the cow head like it's Hamlet's buddy, uh, you know, Yorick. (laughs) No, no, the grossest
1: scene to me in terms of the food was when Michelle who won't fart and is dying because of it. And oh, Marcello well, presses go. on his yeah. stomach until he farts <laughs> for like five minutes. And they start bringing a big yellow cake and all eating yellow cake and forcing yeah. it into his mouth while he farts. I mean, yes. I, we, I mean, it, this is one of those ways where it's tough for me to say, no, no, that's the gross thing. Because we could do that for the next 45 minutes.
0: So uh, we should talk about the one lady in the mix, uh, Andrea Ferriol, who plays Andrea, who's a school teacher, who I uh, remember from the oh. Tin Drum when I was kid, from seeing the Tin Drum yeah, in fifth grade. Yeah,
1: yeah which blew yeah. my mind. Wait, when did fifth you see grade that on Showtime? That was on Showtime. Yeah, boy, did you go to sleep that night? I mean, you know, it really, <laughs> it on. really was just almost completely over my head. Like, I, like I really yeah. do remember yeah. going, I don't know what the fuck I just saw, so...
0: Yeah, but there's naked women in it, so I gotta keep watching.
1: Yes, well, there's... Yeah, there's, yeah, there's all sorts of stuff here. Yeah, it was... Uh, it was one. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. So she ends up... Uh, you know, so they bring over these prostitutes, and then this school teacher who happened by uh, with her class, comes back later that night and joins them. And she... Uh, Kind of takes on the role of a meal herself for all these guys and is kind of shot that way Um, as she sleeps with. I don't know if she sleeps with all of them, but she sleeps with most of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think she gets around to everybody. The prostitutes at some point are like, you guys are disgusting and they hightail it out of there. But she's along for the ride. And, uh, you know, she's she's. Well, you have anything to she, say? about Well, her? when we were talking
1: about the John Waters comparison, I was I kept thinking yeah. like, oh, and this is their divine. This is, Marco Ferreri is using yeah. her the same way John Waters would use divine, and and yeah, you know, I mean, we in describing how gross the movie is, I mean, I gotta say, like, it's to me the film starts slow. Uh, you know, yeah. spoil. I'll get into a spoiler here. Uh, uh, yeah. Marcello's the first to die. It really slows down after he dies. And that middle yes. stretch of the movie is fucking hilarious. There's so many funny things. And and one yeah. of the funniest... And, and the interesting thing is so many things that when we talk about hangover kind of comedy taking over, so many tropes that really did just go on to become mainstream comedy. All the shit jokes and... and You know, it's like Austin Powers' gross-out stuff. Oh, yeah. No, I thought of that. So at one point, the toilet explodes. Yeah. Yes, which is a hilarious, amazing I, scene. at the, at the it's, it's at the pinnacle of Marcello not being able to... He's impotent. He can't get an erection trying to have sex with Andrea. And uh, and in his rage, storms over the toilet, which explodes their shit everywhere. It's just pure gross-out comedy stuff.
0: But I thought of this. I was like, you know, this was so subversive and off the wall. And, and it is hilarious and disgusting yeah. and... But then I was thinking, again, let's go to the early, late 90s, early 2000s, and it's like Meet the it's Parents. It's just comedy. As a shit-throwing It's scene. just
1: comedy. In in a way, I'm surprised. I know this movie was a scandal when it came out. I know it caused a scandal. Yeah. Can, and, and But really, there is a universe where this movie came to the United States, got more attention, was a big hit, and changed comedy <laughs> from that point on. Like, like from 1973, yeah. that would have just been mainstream comedy. But... Yeah. But uh, but you know it took the gradual to Animal House, which has which right. has a lot of this in it, and the cafeteria, Bluto yes. feeding, yes. food fights. I mean that that's really just pouring the mustard on himself. Yes. the toga party, just... the
0: the excess of the drinking, the vomiting, yeah. the pissing. But yeah.
1: but I was really surprised. Like I said, that stretch of the movie in the middle that is just pure comedy. And one of the other tropes that is really funny is um. Is it? I think it's Philippe that wants to marry Andrea, right? And, yes, and so yes. she's constantly—it's the joke of you know how she's cucking him or, or like running off with everybody right. else, and him still trying to act like that's my fiance. So it's it's really surprising me how there's a lot of really almost traditional comedy in the movie for something this uh, extreme.
0: Yeah. And he's the baby who has the wet nurse, so he he is attached to this, you know, very voluptuous mommy type. Right, and And, that's the stuff,
1: right, and at the end, eats a cake shaped like two breasts, and that's the stuff where I was like, okay, this this whole movie is all about male sexual abuse survivors by women. (laughs) He he says to the wet nurse at the beginning, you always rape me. That that's one of his yeah, first lines, yes, yeah. and this is just all a massive acting out of uh, of that, and how it's endemic in Italian culture, and, uh,
0: and yeah, and that's uh, and that's what it is, <laughs> and that's and yeah. that's comedy. And to just go back a bit to the there, so there's a scene where the school kids come by, and I, you know the guys are not toxic with the kids; they're actually really good with the kids, like. Uh, Marcello's in the in the garage, he's showing them their car, his car that he's working on, and, uh, you know, so they have this weird moment where they're, they're very uh, good with these children, and then they send the children away, and then they go back to being, you know, filthy animals. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which, you know, an interesting side note, that uh, these are multi-dimensional characters that can switch gears and perhaps compartmentalize. So, uh, the th- okay, and the farting is you know beyond belief, but here's the thing: nobody reacts to the stink of the farts. This struck me as weird. You don't see anybody going like, "Oh, gross!" They just kind of like, "Oh, it's delightful music, the music <laughs> of the wind." <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: that's true. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure the house smelled really bad by the end of this movie. The farts, and vomit, then- death. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: they all die, uh, kind of doing what they love. You know, uh, Marcello's in his car. And he freezes to death, and the cook dies in his kitchen. Uh, and then the uh, the baby judge dies, you know, eating the tit cake. And, uh, you know, something to be said there. guess. <laughs> yeah. So interesting stuff. Yeah. Cause the can- uh, scandal in Cannes. Uh some pretty great footage from the press conference with Ferrari yelling at reporters at Cannes. Uh, you ever see what he looks like? He looks like a gorilla. He's amazing looking. It, no. Uh, yeah, yes. I, I have seen pictures. I did look up some pictures of Ferrari.
1: I, yeah, I didn't think of the gorilla comparison. That's funny.
0: Yeah, completely. Yeah, bye-bye monkey. That was a very near and dear to his heart, I think. Um, So rumors were that uh, Catherine Deneuve, who was... Uh, you know, romantically involved with Mastriani, Uh didn't. She saw it and didn't speak to him for a week. Uh,
1: I don't blame uh, her. I would have
0: been upset. <laughs> Ingrid Bergman, who was on the jury, allegedly vomited during the movie. There you go. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> uh, rated X in the United States at a time where that was uh, sort of like a bra- Like a, it was a it was a positive thing to get an X rating on an art film at that point. Uh, and then it was re-rated NC seventeen in nineteen ninety four. That always fascinates me when they re-rate the old movies. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, Beyond the Valley of the Doll got an NC-17. Yeah. It's like, that's goofy. Yeah, it is goofy. Uh, And what was that movie we uh, explored in the past, uh, The Love God? That got a PG-13. I was like, yeah, that seems (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Uh, it played it debuted in England uncut at one theater, but then Mary Whitehouse. Do you know anything about her? Yes, sort of the Jerry Falwell. I saw
1: this about Mary Whitehouse. Yeah, she took it yeah. on.
0: Yeah, she also became the uh, Whitehouse. The porno magazine is named after her, and Whitehouse, the insane uh, noise band that sings about rape and other things <laughs> worse things even. Uh, they're they're named after Mary Whitehouse. Yeah, she uh, she attempted to sue them under the vagrancy act. Accusing the cinema, the cinema owners of owning of keeping a disorderly house, and she lost. Um, you know, I want to bring up another film related to this that you and I had the privilege of watching on a big screen not long ago, King Frat. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There's a- if anything this reminded. Le Grand Boof reminds me the most of yeah. King Frat. At the time, we both likened it to Pasolini, but I think it's more of a Ferrari. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And,
1: and just, uh, and just funny to see how, yeah, this people must have seen this movie, right? Like I, I never, I found nothing on record of like, Oh, uh, Michael O'Donohue loved this movie or, you know, but I mean, Lampoon SNL kind of people must have seen this movie.
0: Yeah. And, isn't uh, it weird how little
1: about this really is? Really weird. Really weird. Oh, and here's a here's a quick aside while we're talking about the solo and kind of Pasolini side yeah. of this. I did find out I was shocked to see in here that Alec Baldwin says Solo is one of his favorite movies. Wow. Which which then made me put in context him on his podcast last year having Tom Six, the director of Human Centipede, on. Wow, to, how and, about that? And I thought, you know, and I was thinking, you know, Human Centipede. I don't think either one of us liked that movie, but you do have to give it to that guy. Yeah, that is the last extreme movie to also be a mainstream sensation. L- like, yeah, really, like this really
0: affect the culture and yeah.
1: cross that art horror l- like Le Grand for or a lot of these kind of very movies much, that you and I yeah. are
0: obsessed with so
1: that, so that's another uh, heir to this uh, throne I would I say I would
0: agree with that very much yeah um and then I was thinking oh so then I was thinking and then the kind of self-conscious attempt to recreate Le Grand Bouffe would be uh, the cook the thief his wife and her lover uh huh
1: that's a good point yeah
0: that's which, true which uh as a. T- I hated that movie. I hate that guy, Peter Greenaway. I mean, I haven't seen, like, all of his movies, but... That
1: one I a, that one I liked. That. I remember seeing it in the theater when it came out.
0: I, I'll tell you this.
1: I remember thinking... I, I thought it was just going to be... It, it It was more of a story than I expected when I saw it. Right. A- a- and it had a good punchline, which is they, they made the thief eat his dick, which was, you know, pretty good. <laughs> they cut right. his dick off and made him eat it. I was like, well, that's a... Well, i got I'm a his.
0: douche on that one I hated that And it was weird because that um, opened in Brooklyn at one point in uh, At the Alpine Theater in Bay Ridge Which also, years later, and this kind of ties in Was the only theater in New York City to show uh, a Serbian film on the big screen Oh, wow <laughs> weird. Very yeah. weirdly, very weirdly it ended up in there uh, But yeah, I sat there and I watched it And I was just, uh, I, I couldn't deal with it I think also, like, that was such a, that was such, you want to talk about douche, like, the type of people in 1990 who were championing that movie were, I was, I had to, you know, I created Happyland in part to spread my toxic masculinity all over them, <laughs> but, uh, I, I didn't care for it, and I, I, maybe it's great, I'll, I'll never know.
1: I don't know, yeah, I have not revisited it since I was 19 or however old it was when it yeah came out, but, uh. But um, but boy, what a, I will say this, inject this downer note, what an intense movie, Le Grand Bouffe, to watch this week with what's happening oh. in Italy. D- just thinking about it the yeah. whole time and thinking like, well, you know, you, you win, Ferrari, your critique of capitalism as a <laughs> death drive where we are eating ourselves to death and... Uh, you know wa- wa- I'm while I'm yeah. watching this yeah. movie flipping back and forth between the you know the millennials are partying on the beach and now they've all got yeah. coronavirus like it uh yeah it was hard not to see this movie and go yeah you you win buddy you and Pasolini were right <laughs> you are correct in your uh yeah. your critique so good yeah. good job there ferrari
0: way to I call agree it. with you yeah I wonder what Bye Bye Monkey has to say about it. <laughs> I'm sure it's something fascinating. <laughs> and the Ape Woman. There's a double feature. Yeah, so okay, so let's uh move on to our second film here. This is a television movie. Pray for the Wildcats. Uh, and this is a movie I was not aware of Until I saw it reviewed in Shock Cinema We're going to have to do an entire Shock Cinema episode
1: Yeah, yeah, that would be great I would I would do that That is, and, I run to the newsstand to get that one
0: <laughs> And we should talk about my long and toxic history With Shock Cinema at yeah, this point Yeah, yes uh, First of all, I want to say Steve Puchowski Who's been, I mean, it's 30 years or more at this point That that thing's been coming out Yep Uh, publishes this magazine, it's a slick uh, newsstand type magazine, but even on like heavier paper than that Shock Cinema, he reviews the world's like most obscure and outrageous movies has long, really good, really interesting interviews with B-movie actors and kind of, you know, crackpot cinema figures Um, I always thought he was a really bad writer and I made fun of him in my fanzine And he and his pals in 1991 showed up at my doorstep. And I've never forgiven him for that. (laughs) And I wasn't home at the time, but he accurately described... I had a... a, My landlord was an old guy who sat on the front porch with his German shepherd. He was a lovely fella. And uh, they called him a Nazi with his Nazi dog, I believe. But even that, I don't think they said Nazi dog, because that would have been too clever a turn of phrase for Pachowski. But you know, I want to salute the guy for keeping that magazine going.
1: No kidding. Um,
0: the, you know, I, I, let's admit, Aaron, we both—an early bonding for us was making fun of the writing style of Steve Puchalski. <laughs> it's particularly the line: "If you're looking for a wholesome, all-American, good-time movie to watch with grandma and the kids at Christmas time, this ain't it." Yes, very, very typical '90s
1: fancy writing. Yeah
0: and uh, continues to this day, and um, it and, and I feel bad because, again, I admire the guy. I, I have never heard anybody say anything bad about him. I like what he does in terms of continuing that output and, and doing all this research on these crazy movies for us and inform, keeping us informed, but uh, I was interviewed for the book Xerox Ferox about the zine culture of the uh, 80s and 90s, and I just started talking about like how lousy I thought his writing tricks were, and um, I, I really I went off the deep end, and I, I apologize. So I want to I apologize to Mister Prochowski for these oh, years of hostility.
1: It's the it's oh. the tragedy of being the toxic male. Is like, yeah. hey, you are someone that I have an incredible amount in common with, and would have lots and lots to talk about. I
0: hate you. I will. I will. Yeah, but then you think like you, you, know, you want me to go to the, like. The Grassroots Tavern he was always writing about was like this shitty hippie bar on St. Mark's Place. I'm not going to go there. I remember fucking Rick Sullivan complaining. He's like, every time a guy wants to get together, he wants to go to the Grassroots Tavern. Yes.
1: This this would be an example. Yes. And therefore, you have nothing in common with him. and
0: And you are. Exactly. Yes. right.
1: Because of the the tavern he likes, the grassroots so,
0: tavern. Yeah. It
1: is the great. It is the great tragedy of our nightmare, alienated, isolated, toxic male existence. <laughs> it's it's a it's a living
0: hell, Mike. It's a living hell. <laughs> yeah, we get to watch some fun movies though. Sure, yeah. And among those, I would say "Pray for the Wildcats" ranks high. This is definitely a dude rating on my part. Oh that was-
1: boy, I mean, as as dude as it gets, just so great and so
0: fun to watch blown away by how great this was and to the point where i was like wow this really could have gotten a theatrical release but you couldn't have released it with the four actors this you know kind of camp classic dream team of andy griffith william shatner robert reed and marjo gortner so great but and And without those actors it would not work it would be a different movie and
1: really i mean certainly in ambition and how well written it is it doesn't I'm assuming there are some of these TV movies, like we talked about, that one was at Mousy with Kirk Douglas, that were shot to be theatrical. They didn't end up being theatrical, and they got dumped on TV. This must have been made for TV, but it must have been written. The guy who wrote this must have been thinking, this is going to be a feature. I think
0: you're right, yeah. Yeah, and it's such a a solid script. And I want to say, Kino Lorber just put this out on Blu-ray it looks incredible it's one of the best transfers i've ever seen of a movie and it has an amazing commentary by uh amanda reyes from the made for tv mayhem podcast and bill ackerman from the supporting characters podcast both of which are absolute must listens i love both of those shows and they do a tremendous job and uh you know i'm glad this movie really got uh this crazy amount of love that it deserves um we should also say the female too- cast is right up there, too. It's Angie Dickinson, oh, God. Lorraine Gary, who is the wife in Jaws and then the hero of Jaws the Revenge. She's great. She's uh, so good. Janet And Janet Margolin, who is best known for playing Lisa in David and Lisa with uh, Keir DeLea from 1962.
1: And without going too far down the TV movie rabbit hole, I, you know, really, ABC, was who produced this and aired it, really was knocking it out of the park with these movies at that time they they did a movie I love that I I've only watched on YouTube. Uh, Thursday's game starring Bob Newhart and Gene Wilder, which was written by Jim Brooks.
0: A great movie, you know. one yeah.
1: uh, amazing. Uh, also ABC, and it couldn't happen to happen to a nicer guy. Where Paul Servino is assaulted by a woman, and they don't believe him in court, which I remember seeing at around age 11 or 12 late at night and being amazed and fascinated by
0: it. Yeah. So they, they, man, they, they really... Uh, well, you know, but, but ABC this, Movie of the Week was the invention of the TV movie to compete with
1: theatrical releases. They really... It's amazing. Like, Thursday's Game is a really solid, well-written comedy, amazing cast. The cast in here is great. And, and this is... Uh, to me there was a lot in here that was very edgy for network television at the time uh, unsympathetic characters and and uh, adult subject matter so yeah they clearly were really uh, making an effort to, to
0: compete here and even uh I swear to God it's close to nudity we always we've talked about like uh, yeah when we were kids we were like this is it there's gonna be nudity on TV tonight can't wait and they I mean really it kind of looks like the hippies were naked at one point. <laughs>
1: And there's the really, the the hippie lady dancing in the Baja bar is like oh a my really, lewd, yeah. really lewd, really lewd scene salacious. for the time. But it did have, I just want to point out one of my biggest movie pet peeves, which is music's playing on the jukebox or something she's dancing and all the guys in the bar are clapping yeah but they've made no effort in the editing to sync the clapping the music and i I always get distracted by that this close-up of andy griffith whose hands are moving in no way i'm like so what's wrong with andy griffith is he having some kind of seizure
0: or Well, well clearly yes yes do you remember what he said what he kept repeatedly saying during that segment well, oh, what was it? He kept saying, it now, like, shake we're, it. now we're getting it on. Now yeah, we're
1: getting oh it God. on. <laughs> he is just great in this. I mean, he just goes all out and he really sells it. He's such a good villain. Anytime he was used as that sleazy bad guy, I, I was never an Andy Griffith show fan as a kid. I thought it was so cool. Wow, really? And uh, I like it now. I appreciate it now. But as a kid, I was bored as hell. But oh, man, man when, that's when, like when, a warm blanket
0: and a, a chocolate uh, chip cookie to me, made by to- A.B.
1: Totally enjoy it now, but at the time I just thought, like, yeah, I love Lucy and all the a lot of the classics that got that's right, that's right. Yeah. I love
0: Lucy, but you have a, you have the Jamestown, New York rage against I Love Lucy. That's right? true
1: too. Yeah, for her hometown. I always had to hear about her growing up, but because but, um, those were
0: those were like the the little peaking sun, rays of sunshine through the cracks of misery of my childhood. Those shows but any sleazy griffith is just always so great and this
1: is the this is clearly the ultimate one this is the ultimate yeah. sleazy griffith's role
0: i mean you have of course the the high class one which is brilliant which is a face in the crowd yeah which truly i always hate one of my the most despicable things of human existence is when people say you know this movie is more relevant is relevant now more than ever but i truly right. think every year since that movie's come out you could legitimately apply it to a face in the crowd
1: and and this cast, like you were saying, is so great. Here's my theory: this, the four of them, they are the Beatles of TV movies. Okay? Yes. Get, yeah. Andy Griffith is John. William yeah. Shatner is Paul. The love, right? Yeah. Uh, Reed is George, and Marjo Gortner is Ringo. And the, and I, the whole wow. time I was watching, I was thinking these these are these are the Beatles. Okay, so this I want to,
0: in saying that, I want to invoke the Beatles movie, TV, uh, the ABC TV movie, Birth of the Beatles. Where Brian oh, yeah. Epstein is laying it out, uh, and he says, He's talking to Paul, and he says, John is the mind of the group. You are the heart. George is the soul. And Ringo is the flesh and blood. <laughs> that's great. That's there so you that applies isn't, here it, too. isn't that an amazing? Like, I've never yeah, stopped that's thinking great. about that. <laughs> that's great. And there you have it right here. Um, so, yeah. So, so, what it is, is these guys are. Andy Griffith is the captain of industry, he's the mad capitalist, um, and he's hiring this firm where Shatner is on the outs. Uh, He's not been doing well, and he actually, we see him humiliatingly get fired by John Barber, a fascinating character. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's take a side tour on John Barber for a minute. He was the, uh, he was like a, a hip comedian in the 60s. Did you know this? He did, like, no. surrealish uh, comedy albums, and uh, he did, um, like, one of his records is called "It's It's It Ain't Easy Being White, I think, and it was about, like, the civil rights movement, <laughs> and uh, then he was okay. the co-creator of Real People, a oh, wow. spinoff of which was Speak Up America, hosted by Marjo Gordner,
1: mm-hmm, which was okay. an
0: amazing movie that sent my father uh, an amazing show on Friday nights. And the premise was they would show like f- controversial stuff and then the audience in the theater, in the, in the studio, and then <laughs> I believe it was Cleveland. It was like some small remote audience that was uh, representing America. They could speak up and they could say, what's your opinion about this? It was always like a yes or no. And one night they had like the porno awards, you know, the X-rated critics awards or something. And my old man lost his shit. Completely lost his mind. And now that I think about it, going back and thinking about all those, you know, uh, erotic X Films guides up in his closet, he may have been angry at, like, the actual winner versus who lost (laughs) his picks for the X-rated critical awards that year. Right. But uh, my old man would occasionally call the network, which was always mortifying. (laughs) It's hilarious. And he dialed up NBC that night. And I I heard him go, you got Marilyn Chambers on TV! (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So, uh, yeah, and and, and, and as you can imagine, that really pushed me away from fascination with pornography at that point. Sure, sure. uh, And uh, Reed is successful, and then Marjo is the uh, hippie who is working in the advertising industry. He's the art director. He is sort of the avant-garde guy that's trying to go mainstream. Which again is interesting, and I remember uh, the great Christina Ward from Feral House, who has an amazing book of uh, corporate cookbooks. And just, I remember her just saying, you have to remember, in the early 70s, drug culture was mainstream culture. And I think Marjo really represents that both in the outside persona he brings, so he was the mm-hmm. subject of one of the greatest documentaries ever made, Marjo. Uh, he was a child preacher and evangelist who then, um, you know, strayed from the path and sort of became this like Mick Jagger, like rock star type. And the movie, the documentary is about him talking about how evangelism works, how tent preaching works, how it's the, they build these illusions and how it's similar to, you know, the rock and roll fantasy. And, and Larger Than Life, Image Conjuring and things like that. And that's just one of the greatest things ever. So he brings that. But then he's also this groovy hippie in the movie. And the shit he paints is so cool. Those logos and uh, stuff. Yeah. And he's really
1: good in this he's role. Great. I mean, he really embodies it. Like, yeah. I, 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 he, he along with Griffith, they, they might take the top prizes in this one.
0: Yeah. And um, so... And, and they're dirt bike enthusiasts. We we meet them. Uh, they're out like racing around the little local sand dunes in California. And, um, and Andy Griffith says, well, you know, we're going to Baja. We're going to take a 600-mile drive. And they all have to go because, again, Griffith controls the purse strings. He's got the account. And they just have to do what he says. So they show up. I've read a lot about the weirdness of the Star Trek shirts that everybody is wearing. That
1: really is weird. It like you it it must be a coincidence and yet it's too close to be a coincidence. It's really weird. But not only are they wearing shirts kind of in the style of the shirts they wear in Star Trek, but the exact color scheme. The exact, exact yellow, red yeah, colour scheme. Yeah,
0: I mean he's got the gold captain shirt on, Shatner. And yeah, it's it's t- hard to
1: believe it's not some kind of meta-commentary. Except, but I, I was thinking, I except know. I
0: think Star Trek hadn't really taken off as Star Trek as we, you know, I know at that point. I know, Because this weird, weird layover, Star Trek was only ever a cult thing when it was on NBC, and then it took off in the mid-70s. And I could be wrong, I think the first Star Trek convention was 73 when it I'll, went into I'll syndication. I'll say this, yeah. I think
1: this is just a very smart hip screenplay because for its time, because the other moment that jumped out at me was when they set off for Baja on their dirt bikes and they start going on road. Uh, Robert Reed turns to Shatner and he kind of very woefully says where the sidewalk ends. And then they drive off. And I was like, Wait, is that a, Shell That's Silverstein a Shel Silverstein reference? Seen, uh, children's and book, yeah. The book had just come out that year, so I was like, "That's uh, for I, again for a TV movie." I feel like, wow, this this was a an interesting level of self awareness and reference. So, so yeah. who
0: knows? Maybe the Star Trek thing was delivered. So, and again, you know, uh, four archetypes and just Griffith is the robber baron, the you know, uh, just. Capitalistic monster consuming everything,
1: the toxicist of the, the toxic. Yes, meals. yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, Shatner is suicidal. He's a failure. He's the suburban guy desperately, you know, clinging on in quiet desperation, secretly having sex with Reed's wife. Yeah, and then Reed is the company man. He was, you know, he goes yeah. along to get along, and vice versa. And then Marjo is the counterculture, being absorbed willingly into the culture. And well, with the mind-blowing
1: for again, for its time just thinking of this being in a movie now or a TV movie now, di- who whose girlfriend has just found out she's pregnant. Oh yeah. And so so they're having a very open discussion of him saying like, "Hey, maybe you get an abortion. You get rid of the kid." And uh and she's like, "Yeah, I don't know, maybe." And yes, yeah, so he's wrestling with will I become a father? Or yes, and enter the mainstream like you're saying. Yeah, yes, th- that is a fascinating thing about this movie more than the others. The others are about this: we're going to escape from all. Th- all of them are wrestling with living in this mainstream culture, yes. right? Like, yes. y- yeah, it's it's not the other movies we're talking about. The toxic masculinity genre is we're going to go- run away from that and implode in this infantile, suicidal, you know, yeah. blowout. And this is they're all wrestling with. How do I fit into that world?
0: And also fascinating to me because we should. T- so, uh, what happens is they're on this they're on this dirt bike thing, and it's very tense. And Shatner is contemplating just driving off the side of the mountain. They stop at this bar, this little uh, desert bar, and there's this incredibly sexy hippie girl who's dancing and. Andy uh, griffith is kind of molesting her and you know attempts to he gets into a fight with her hippie boyfriend and then they all they kind of break it up but you know and, and you think well that's not going to be the end of that and it's not obviously so they're driving along and then they see the two hippies and they have a camper on the beach and they clearly again looks like they're nude in the water and andy griffith you see his eyes flash like you know or something. (laughs) So he hatches this plan, and then they set up camp for the night, the the Wildcats. Oh, by the way, that's the name of their gang, the Wildcats. And uh, Griffith has shown up with, he has leather jackets for all of them. And uh, Angie Dickinson gets to say, pray for the Wildcats. And so what's interesting to me is that, again, so 1974 to me is really like the first year of the 70s. I feel like the 60s went... You know, we talk about, you know, you've heard this, like, you know, the, the 50s, the Eisenhower era goes all the way to the JFK assassination, and then the 60s starts with the Beatles and goes to me, in my head, all the way to 73, and then 74 is really where the 70s, as we understood them culturally and aesthetically, and that extends, to, in my mind, to the end of 1982. So 74 is this pivotal year in American culture. And you, so you have the alt the ugliest side of mainstream corporate America, Andy Griffith, who is going to murder some hippies, asks the hippie who has come along with him on this journey to come with him, and the hippie willingly goes. Marjo Gortner watches this hideous moment where he uh, harasses, attempts to uh, buy sex with the woman, and then gets into a fight with the hippie guy, and 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 that was also great is. Uh, Griffith taunting people with the word hippie. He's like, "Come
1: on, hippie!" No, it's so great. That's such a great scene. He offers the guy a hundred dollar bill, yeah. essentially saying, "Give me your girlfriend right. and have sex with her for a hundred dollars." And that, and that it really, again, such a great scene. And really, aware when you and I were talking a couple weeks ago about the people versus Larry Flint and the idea of the weird upside down world we're in now, where the conservatives are the the grab by the pussy yeah. people. Yeah. And it like, and this being this very explicit expression of that with Andy Griffith waving the hundred dollars to Adam saying, come on, take my money. I'm kind of a hippie too. Yeah. yeah. I'm a hippie too. Like, what does it matter? Nothing matters. This really uh, amazing um, announcement of like, Hey, what used to be the conservatives are now the aim, the amoral gross out. people.
0: <laughs> like <laughs> yes. it, it's all, yeah.
1: Like, it's all over. It's all collapsed. Yeah. The mask has come off, and here you go. Yeah, that's a great, a great scene. And then
0: I also thought of what you're saying. I'm kind of a hippie, too. It's, It made me think of um, – so John Cleese, who occasionally you know steps in it online, I remember at some point, probably maybe 10 years ago, he said he had moved out of London to uh, Bath because it was no longer the England he knew. And he was sad about this. And I remember some British columnist saying, yeah, you're right. And you did it. You ruined yes. You destroyed the culture. <laughs> yes. And yeah. and so there. I thought of that with this where he's saying, yeah, well, congratulations, hippie. You did it. Andy Griffith in this movie is now saying, I'm kind of like a hippie. Nothing matters. You know, nothing is true. Everything is permitted as long as I can wave this $100 bill around at you.
1: Right. That's what that's what that's the toxic. Part.
0: Right. Yeah, that's yeah. The, that's
1: the yeah, extra ingredient. And I was thinking about how maybe five or 10 years before this, this movie would have been. A black and white sex exploitation so movie, so clearly, Arch um, senior. Something yeah. weird, yeah. yes. There's something yeah. weird would be putting out, like all those movies were middle aged man panic around young yes. women movies. Yeah. Then it went to Cassavetti's, and now you've got it on mainstream television with this movie, right. you know. But but yeah, it is it is interesting to see that's how it bubbled up into the culture. And but it was always His
0: Husbands was definitely in contention for this episode, but I thought I think it's uh it's not crackpot enough. No, it's yeah. not yet. Yeah. But that's no, sort of the you know you know respectable version of, of this madness. <laughs> yes. Yeah absolutely. Um, so again he brings Marjo along and Marjo is the guy with you know one foot in uh <laughs> one foot in Woodstock and one foot in Altamont at this point. And yeah uh, it's a horrible scene because he doesn't kill the hippies He directly. He destroys their van, takes a hatchet, and chops open the gas tank on their their camper, uh, leaving them to die of exposure and starvation and thirst in the yeah. desert. <laughs> it's dark. It, yeah. I mean, it's horrible, and that is exactly what happens. But even that gets darker because the girl doesn't die right away, and they're hoping she'll die so that she can't rat them out to the police right and because of that hundred dollar bill marjo uh, goes along with this he covers for griffith and the one guy with the pang of conscience is the suicidal guy shatner who says we've got to uh go to the police and then read the company man says no you know go along to get along and vice versa and you know uh it leads to justice of sorts but still, an incredibly downbeat ending.
1: Well, yeah, except except for Shatner. I mean, I guess I, I know we can give it away. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Sure, nah. on this. Yeah, he, you know, yeah. It leads to him and Griffith going head to head. Yeah. Shatner and Andy Griffith, and and there's a great line. I love when uh, Gortner says to him, uh, he goes like, "You're acting like this is all my fault." You yeah. know, when Shatner's calling him out for being a a you know a sellout. Yeah. And uh, and Shander says we all share this one. We all wallow in the mud, (laughs) which I love. Like they're not even going for the self righteous. (laughs) Like totally owning his complicity. And then uh, they get in a dirt bike race, and Griffith drives his fucking dirt bike off a cliff in an awesome shot, like an awesome, an awesome not TV movie cheesy shot. Hits the beach and blows up. And uh, and Shatner blows his mind in the ocean, screaming and being baptized, <laughs> reborn, and yeah, uh, yeah. and comes home and to his wife who's been cheating on and uh, and essentially reconciles and says uh, and says I'll I'll help you decorate the living room, which is boring and he didn't want to do. Yeah. Like we're saying, like Le Grand Boof is all about the rejection of these bourgeois values, and it's all Shatner going like. I get it. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll decorate the living room. Let's go home. Good luck, Robert Reed. It, he has the happy ending, and Reed and Gortner get absolutely kicked
0: to in a the degree. Balls. But but I, I I did get the sense that you know you know he can't after what he's been through, even prior to the motorcycle trip. He can't just go back and decorate the living room. I mean it's it's See, yeah.
1: I, I disagree. I think I think this was a this was a hero story for him. I think it was he grew up, he you know, he came out the other yeah. side. And I think it's explicit in saying in him saying to Reed like, Yeah, you keep going in that world. I'm done. I I know what this He he knows it leads to Le Grand yeah, He knows Grand Bouff is I the agree. next move. Yeah. And he has yeah. he has said, I'm getting off the merry-go-round. Go go Le Grand Buffet, yeah. bye. And then Gortner, uh, who, who has said, I will, I will in the mainstream, yeah. I will get married to his right. girlfriend. She socks it to him at the end and says, I got the abortion. Yeah, I mean, that was which, is la- which is the last line in the movie. Much like the infamous band episode of Family Guy that ended with Lois saying, I, I got the abortion. <laughs> um, but this was a serious mainstream drama yeah. TV movie. And then the credits come up. It is just great. It's,
0: it's, so, it's so great. Yeah, you know, I I yeah, agree. I, I mean, it. it's 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 completely great. Yeah, I have mixed feelings about Shatner's fate, I have to say. Um because yeah, he's he's out of the rat race clearly, but you know, his wife is so much part of that world and you know, knows that he's having an affair is decorating the stupid living room in their house. <laughs> I, you know,
1: I think they're going to make it. I think they're going right, to make it. Yeah. We, we, you know, we should, we should write our competing fan fiction. And uh, do nothing else. Yeah. Pray for the Wildcats too. Less, <laughs> l- 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 Slightly less grand booth. Oh, how hard did you laugh, by the way? Here's a, here's a petty. How hard did you laugh when Robert Reed pulled uh Shatner aside at one point and said, uh, I haven't been completely straight. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I could. That was <laughs> all right. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you if you were to screen this in a theater, that would get uh, some hoots. Oh God. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. I really. I dug this. And movie. it also hammers home what a good actor Robert Reed was. Just so good.
1: <laughs> And by the way, I don't even know if we summed it. We did with like Ron We said that was dude, yeah. right? Not dude. Yeah. So that's dude, and this is dude. So two, yeah. two good ones in a row. So
0: now we go to a personal favorite of mine. <laughs> We're going to jump ahead a, a, by far, like decades, to 2011. I melt with you. This is the ultimate douche movie. Yeah, and yet I is. love yeah, it. There's never, it's, it's.
1: I mean, I, yeah, this is the, this is, the, like we were saying that Wildcats was do it all the yeah. way. This is all the way, all the way. All the way.
0: Yes. It embodies from it, the, yeah. From the opening credit that says an Iron Haas production, I was like, ugh, I actually you hate the term yeah. Haas? The, the,
1: you know, this, this was, it was almost nostalgic for me to see this. It was 2011. Yeah. I, I saw it's a release and. And I was thinking, like, wow, like this is some real apex toxic male time—Sopranos, Shield, Mad Men yeah. era—when, when we w- we all agreed that it was a very serious thing to be an asshole, <laughs> and it was worthy of very serious study. And compassion, and uh, and it like I said, really like it was nostalgic watching this movie.
0: Too. Yeah, no, I I agree completely. Yeah. Like it,
1: like and we and boy did boy did us fellows in the entertainment industry take it too far to the point the entire culture was like Jesus Christ, shut yeah.
0: up! Like
1: and this movie really was like you can see why the entire culture said. Okay, white men. We are now <laughs> going to make white men the punchline of everything. Shut the fuck yeah, I mean, up. It, really like... it may have been this
0: movie. This movie <laughs> may have tipped the scales. This may have been the one. It may have been because I first discovered it on cable in the middle of the night, and I was I was completely taken away by it. I mean, you know, this is one of those things I don't believe in. So bad it's good or guilty pleasure, but this is a a, a terrible film but it's you know i mesmerizing horrible characters bad acting shitty dialogue i love it though i can't i've watched it <laughs> without exaggerating this is probably my fifth or sixth time watching it all the way through and i'll probably watch it and, again I got to
1: say point. and this cast man Rob Lowe Jeremy Piven Thomas Jane these are three guys that from what i know are <laughs> Uh, from from what i understand from the their reputations. They, I mean this is these are three very uh difficult personalities. I can't imagine what the shoot of this movie it's was. It's not even I, I mean, other, other than
0: reputations, their public personas are fucking yes, assholes. Yes. Yes, like just right. Unbearable, right. unconscionable uh, yeah. assholes. I mean, Lowe gets a pass cuz he's beautiful looking, i guess, to some degree. But Piven is one of the, is like, you know, the embodiment. Yeah, and, and he he got canceled.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and Thomas Jane has, yeah, he's uh, like really done some out to lunch stuff in public. So, yeah, the the only thing comparable, I thought this was fascinating when I looked up the director, Mark Pellington, who I guess was a music yeah, that video that was his guy. main thing, yeah. It, it, it kind of amazed me that just two years ago, he made a movie called Nostalgia yeah. that he also wrote. Did you did you see this? Which the the, the logline was a mosaic of stories of love and loss, and the cast was John Hamm, Nick yeah, Offerman, Pat Oswalt, Bruce Dern, Catherine Keener. How is this guy making these <laughs> movies? It blows. Like, who's allowing I him to? I did see to? that, Who, and I thought that was trick so people weird. into I was like, it. Could
0: that be real? Could that be like you know? The New I don't York movie, yeah, maybe he pranked I mean, us.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe he pranked us. But, but, anyways, uh, based on I met with you, yeah, he had I
0: previously I made uh, a movie. You and I had a good chuckle at. I remember Arlington Road. Remember that uh, white supremacist homeland yeah, terrorism T- movie? Tim, Tim Robbins is like the Hugh Beaumont, like drinking milk and stuff. Like, hey, son, how it go today at football practice? Right, and, like, you know the Negroes are taking he, over. D- he directed yeah, yes, that. Yeah. Okay, so stupid. Okay, right. I mean, I made a note here. Yes, it was uh, a less subtle performance than when he wasn't. Than when uh, Tim Robbins was an LAPD cop in Robert Altman's Shortcuts, where he kicked he kicks over his yeah. plant and his wife gasps and he screams, "Don't go getting environmental on me, bitch!" So, yeah. Oh, <laughs> boy. So, what uh, the movie opens, hilariously pretentious title cards flash rapid succession, where it's like, I am a failure, I am a father, I'm a man, I've blown it all. (laughs) I was saying, so stupid. Yeah. But then I thought, yeah, it was kind of like in, in The Irishman, where it's that I heard you paint houses flashes on the screen out of nowhere. Set to, I think pretty it's vacant. Pretty vacant yeah. right. Yeah. Doesn't it? the
1: Sex Pistols right. pretty vacant comes on? I, I,
0: incredibly obnoxious um, soundtrack. I kept thinking this is such like the, like the mainstream Hollywood douchebags idea of being hip, and these are a lot of songs I love. Well, end, Obviously, I love Pretty Vacant, but right.
1: Oh, no, it just shows you what toxic male mansplaining cliches you and I are, <laughs> that it's all music I like. That's, it's just, it's all music I would tell you, that's a great song. You know, it's, Um, and then I noticed uh, in seeing the executive producers listed, one of them really is the yes, archetype of the modern yeah. form of this, Neil Neal, La Yeah, Neil uh, Labute, who with the, in the company of men, he really took the mammoth toxic yeah. male thing and Stupid. made it. What <laughs> yeah he it, what dumbed it, it down the,
0: yes, for dummies the, the 21st yeah, century absolutely. version of it yeah. absolutely and i don't you know i mean he seems to have just kind of fallen by the wayside after his uh Wicker man remake yeah but he was really like the t- yeah, he was true. the toast of the town now. for a while and i was like you gotta he be really was. Me. like you adults are buying this stuff and they certainly were yeah he yeah. really was um, I remember, who was that writer? He's so fucking annoying. Uh, anyway, I, I won't besmirch somebody I heard in a private conversation going on about how much he loved Neil Boot, But anyway. <laughs> um, so these four guys who were friends in college. Uh, we should talk about the fourth guy who is like the third tenor, who's the actor none of us have ever heard right. of. Who is? Uh, yeah, who I thought was the guy from Westworld at first,
1: and he looks a lot like him. Uh, but but but, anyways, yes, no, I, I was not familiar
0: with Christian him. McKay. Is that his name? Christian. McKay. Yes. Yeah. So uh, they're forty-four in the movies. They're all forty-four, and it's uh, the whole premise of this movie is is ludicrous from the get-go. Once a year, these four college buddies get together for a week. To just do all the drugs they can, just completely party, burn right. it down. They rent a house somewhere. And again, money is no object. Right. They Piven is it. the guy who's they, they financing in, everything. They bring in like the local townie girls. Yeah. And guys. Yeah, right. Yes. The same thing. And uh, but but let's so and they talk about at one point being seniors in high school. And it was 25 years ago. So the math does not add up. They would have been 19, 25 years earlier. Typically, you're twenty one, yeah, twenty two when you're. I mean, not, I'm sorry, seniors in college rather. So that that math does not add up. At f- yeah, and all these guys must oh, have been please, 50 absolutely 55. 55. fifty five. Yeah. yeah, ridiculous. And yes, you can't. And they all had you know, m- most of them had kids, they or jobs, or you know, they had stuff to do. Except for uh, Christian McKay, who is the gay guy. And I said, he's, but he's sort of the magical homosexual. So I was calling him the momosexual. Momo for short. Mm-hmm. And then later they meet like a magical Popeye. So I was calling him Mopai. But uh, so he's like the mm-hmm. guy, he's like the conscience sort of. But um, at 44, you cannot do all the drugs you can consume for a week and go back to living. You, you could do it for a weekend. Well, no, I mean, you could do it if you're an addict, if you're yeah. an addict. Oh no, yeah. no, I agree. I was just going to say and and they don't. Yeah. But but the idea that they do this once a year, every year since high school. So this is the 25th time they've done it. Yeah. And and they're just yeah. hugging each other and crying and loving. Like, oh, we just got to rekindle that great moment. It's a like, it's 2011. Everybody has smartphones, Facebook, you know, like instant messaging, texting. You you, you not know, you know if they had done it like once every five years maybe I could see this this grand nostalgia happening, ten years for sure. Yeah, yeah but I guess I guess Pellington
1: was in you know this was his uh, I would assume his attempt at art oh, film. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean th- th- this has to be Le Grand Bouffe. It
0: actually is, and they said that the writer uh, said he told uh, they discussed Le Grand Bouffe. That's where he got the idea.
1: Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. So we're we're in a. We're in an arty, surreal fairy tale of the <laughs> landscape. Yeah. So, except, except with Ed Hardy <laughs> shirts. Yeah.
0: So they rent this incredible beach house, and again, it looks like you know it could be uh, Southern California. Oh, is it, where is it? Monterey? Is that where they are? I think it's Monterey. I think yeah, so, yeah. Um, and yeah, just all the drugs you could do. Because then they have uh, Rob Lowe is a doctor who uh, sells prescriptions, so he gets access to all kinds of dope. Uh, Thomas Jane is a frustrated novelist. He's written one great novel, and he doesn't have the second one in him. At no point does he come off as a novelist. And the fact that he's like a high school English teacher, which he was on the show Hung, it's like it's, it's very hard to not just think, oh, this is the guy from Hung. This is the same character. Right. Who was and that was a funny show. That was a, that was I enjoyed that show and he was good on that. Um, but uh, and then Piven is a, a high finance guy who's in trouble with the SEC and he's going down. And then uh, the homosexual is just sort of this. Uh, I'm not going to say fairy, but he's an ethereal figure who just floats in and out of their lives, kind of. And so, so all the math is wrong. The whole thing is ridiculous. Um, and so many montages the slow-mo laughing running nude into the beach the funny thing is they keep cutting back to their young photos like when they were teenagers piven looks way older than he does in uh, at 44. <laughs> uh, they also they all brought a lot of wardrobe changes akin to the cast of gilligan's island and uh yeah they just basically they get high and then they uh talk in this phony david Mamet dialogue. <laughs> Which brought to mind Treat Williams on a recent episode of Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast, of which to plug myself, I am the social media director. He said that David Mamet to him uh, that is like music written for violin. When the, the dialogue, when when it's being played well, it's the most beautiful sound on earth. When it when it's played badly, it's the most hideous cacophony you could ever endure as a human being. And uh, this falls into mm-hmm. the latter camp. There's uh, one exchange. I actually wrote this down. So Christian McKay is talking to uh, Thomas Jane, who is uh, the real pants man of the family, of the of the group. He says, you fuck lots of women. Have you ever truly loved one? I love them all. <laughs> you can't love them all if you only love one. Oh,
1: Mike, no, no. No, 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 we got to get
0: there. No, we'll go. I can't. No, I can't. No, <laughs> I says, can't. I... If that's true, oh, that's interesting. Oh, God. Richard says, "Yeah, you want to know what I think, Timothy? What they really see, when they really get to see me, I don't like what they see." And then Tim says, "You make sure of that." So there's a lot of that.
1: Oh God, I had
0: to. Yes, You're, I'm just getting the shakes just having. To and then when this shit again. starts to go they, off the rails, there's a lot of the screaming fights at each other. Oh,
1: my, can I tell you, my least favorite was Jeremy Piven socking it to the spoiled college brat <laughs> who's young and doesn't I know anything. I liked the party. That, part. that. shut was the, the only fuck, part. fuck no, up. It was good. I was like, I liked oh, it. the worst, the worst straw man argument. scene. like, I'm going to write the dumb college <laughs> kid. Do you fucking!
0: I'll have no comeback. I'll just. Well, be here's sh- the thing. Oh God, okay. man, I've I'm said it like, before, and I, on this podcast, oh, brutal. Case, I hate. All young people without exception. So I like watching oh. them get it socked. To
1: them. <laughs> oh, God. That was awful. I mean, it, this, this, was, this was tough, man. This was I'm really surprised
0: because I love it. I'm, I'm blown away. You watched it. I'll watch more it, than it again and... today. Ooh, I'll boy. somehow find a way to make you watch it again. Oh, um, God. So I was thinking, like, I don't know if you had this, but I really was into my toxic masculinity in my early 20s. Like, really trying to play that up and i would like live with other guys that were sort of on the same wavelength as me and we'd have these arguments and i realized like we were like y- y- shouting at each other and doing these like histrionic uh you know bombastic just explosions and i was like we were imitating what we thought men were supposed to sound like at you know 22 Makes and that's sense. what yeah. this fucking movie feels like when they're having when they're tearing into each other
1: well yeah, no, it's, you know, it's the, it's the interesting thing where it's like, it, you know, it clearly is written and intended as a critique of yeah. these guys, but also, but also we're in it. It's the same thing we we're talking about with Le Grand Booth, yeah. you know, um, and it's, it's difficult. It's the old thing, you know, they always say about like, you can't uh, satirize pornography right, without right. making pornography. Yeah. yeah. You know, like you can't, you, you can't. Satirized douchebag guy culture without making douchebag yeah. guy culture. It's just the nature. And I was, you know, what I was thinking is the only toxic male comedy series that really does completely straddle the line between "This is who we are, we are sending ourselves up, but we are trans You know what it is? It's the Jackass. Oh, interesting. Movies. Yeah, I think that's yeah. the. I think that's the only one where it's like, yes, this is uh, unapologetically. This is who we are. We are those guys and we will now just yeah. enjoy it but um but the but that is a thing i i i don't know it is fine i will say here's the here's the sympathy that i genuinely did feel for these characters watching this movie and and, and i will say some good things about the movie um, i really really did think jeremy piven was good in it i got to say and i've never been like a, a a piven fan i i thought he was really quite good in this in different moments and and i really did feel a certain Sympathy for the characters that it was like, yeah, you guys like to party. <laughs> you like to go to a that's house right. and get fucked up once a year. Yes, all guys do that. You like to yell at each other about guy stuff. Yeah, that that's it. And yeah, then you go home. Right. Oh, it's it, it's okay. You you don't actually have to critique it. You don't have to. You could just go get fucked up for a week.
0: You didn't even have right. to make a movie right. about. it. And again, <laughs> like, you can't do like, it but, but, but let's say it's a weekend. You could do it on a Friday and a sure, Saturday night. Uh, yeah, sure. Right, yeah, but
1: but yes, but people, yes, guys like to do that, and but obviously the movie is about yeah. this toxic shame and how it leads them all to to ruin. To as one. Well, as we're, we're gonna get meetings.
0: to the big twist at this point, which is really when I first saw the movie, I could not believe the movie went down this path. But so they have the big big blowout party, and Sasha Grey, the porn star that we had f- <laughs> uh, thrust upon us. Uh, I don't know, whatever that was. Oh, the 2009 was the girlfriend experience where Steven Soderbergh made her the lead in a movie where she was somehow this, like, you know, 21-year-old intellectual porn star, uh, which it didn't take, obviously. The culture sort of shook her off. But uh, we see her here. And she's a horrific actress. Uh, it makes sense, that of course, that she was on... Um, the ultimate douche experience in entertainment history. Uh, Entourage. She was on that for a season, and with Jeremy Piven playing the ultimate douche, and yeah, he's very good because he's very comfortable in this situation. And I did watch like one of the special yeah, features on the good. DVD. He's the only actor that talks like on the DVD. Like he, they did a new interview with him, and it's so so unbearable when he's talking. He's like. Oh, when this, script, when this script came around, a lot of actors were like, oh, I, I can't go there. I mean, this is the shit. This is real. I can't go there. I read it, and I had no choice. I had no choice. It's like, oh, God. <laughs> and he's good. You know, I mean, you know. Yeah, I, I really, I thought he was the best. Yeah. I thought he yeah. was yeah, the Thomas best. Jane is really bad. He's not good at playing a drunk. Like, how is that possible? I know, I know. Oh, how boy. is that possible? Oh, but yeah. there it is. I don't know. So, Sasha Gray and this dude, they have a bisexual three-way with Christian McKay, and she pretends to be his dead sister, and he pretends to be her dead boyfriend. And then after that, he busts out the the letter they wrote to each other 25 years earlier, <laughs> the death pact. So, they're seniors in right. college, and they say, we're going on now into, into, you know, we're taking our separate paths. If we are not living true to our... You know, masculine dreams. In 25 years, we will all die as one, and then they sign it in blood. And suddenly, and then he commits suicide. He hangs himself in the shower, and that. And you know, if you do that when you're a teenager, you you need. Well, that's that's
1: what's hilarious about the movie. (laughs) Yes, that's not something you can just go like, "Hey, remember when we did that?" Again has to be taken very seriously there's a heaviness yeah, to tw- it you know when
0: you yell about <laughs> 25 it. years later even though the math is wrong and uh some of us have like yes. you know uh, families and some of us have you know careers to worry about <laughs> but you know, and that becomes the whole thing like yeah hey man we were in that moment no that would be if anything a hilarious thing you'd you'd have framed yes. and then and then be you go on your party yes, weekend right. and go. This is it. We're dying as one this weekend. Ha ha ha! Have a good yeah. time with it. But yes. it is the yeah. most deadly serious biblical scroll you could imagine at this point in the movie. And then they all uh, kill themselves <laughs> one way
1: or another. <laughs> yeah, they all kill themselves. They take it. They take a long time doing it. There is nothing in this movie that is. <laughs> There's nothing that one shot will take a, you must always have 10 (laughs) shots. I don't care if you're getting milk out of the refrigerator. It needs to be 10 shots of the hand going in. Everything is so stretched out. And once you find out the concept, once you find the concept, I was like, oh, okay. All right, here we go. Like, this is kind of cool. Like now we're, and it's just, it's so ponderous and, and takes so long Oh, my God. I I, I I wrote down at one point, like, I was like, it, it, this is one of those movies where I was like, okay, what do we got, like, five minutes left in this? And oh, I was yeah. at the half hour mark, Mike. <laughs> I'm not joking. Where I was like, this will never end. I don't want to hang out with these guys. I don't want to party with them. I don't want to see the, the actors or the characters. And I'm stuck yes. with them
0: now for the next hour. You're, and you're riding all the way down, buddy. 20 yeah, minutes. strapped in. Oh, God. God, but, um, oh, it was brutal. And again, you Ooh, know, once rough. again, a movie you you can't just not go to the cops. And I know there's the like this new like uh, I, I can never uh, forgive me, Kamal from uh, uh, Silicon Valley. His new movie again, like just you know you yeah. go to the cops, and if you're not going to go to the cops, so they find Christian McKay's dead body, like we can't go to the cops. And it's like no, these these <laughs> yeah, four right, guys but, who have yes. lives go to the police and say, look, we partied too much. And our friend killed himself. Yeah, and this guy killed us. Yeah. No one will be shot. Everyone will yes. go, that's tragic. I oh yeah, that feel so bad for you. Yeah, that sounds about yeah. right. Akin yeah. Yeah. Right. to, in uh, our last true. episode, George Burns opens the trunk of his Rolls-Royce and, you know, 13-year-old naked Brooke Shields is inside, and he's like, okay, I better not go to the cops. I better take this kid home with me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> At one yeah. point, Rob Lowe does yeah. break the fourth wall, and he blows cigarette smoke into the camera, which is disgusting. <laughs> Oh, and then, um, oh, and then the soundtrack. You know, the one song for
1: Uh, let me tell you the one song in the soundtrack I really enjoyed for whatever reason really perked things up for me. Dog Eat Dog. Yeah, it was great. Great hearing that. I was like, uh, I was like, man, this song kicks ass. Love that. That was fun. uh,
0: Not fun, like so on the nose. Bad, Bad reputation. But how did he
1: afford this soundtrack? How did he afford this music budget? It's every, every. Yeah. Minute is another huge yeah. song of its era. How did he get all these actors? This how did he? How does he do it? How do you do it, Pellington? <laughs> well, you know, you I, I guess away. the
0: actors believed in the script. Obviously, they had no choice, as Jeremy Piven explained. So they probably worked they no for choice. scale. It, it's it. pretty much you know one location for most for the most part. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, but I, but back to the soundtrack. Hey man, nice shot by Filter Place. And that's like the ultimate douche song to me. <laughs> it's inspired <laughs> yeah, yeah, allegedly by yeah. the uh, Arba Dwyer suicide tape. Arba Dwyer was a politician in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, right. who uh, had a press conference, pulled a gun out of an envelope and blew his head off uh, on television. Um, and, that, and so that movie really is it. Like, that's the douche theme of all time. And just an aside for me, I remember watching like an MTV at some point in the mid 90s, like after the cool Lollapalooza Gen X was fading into the late part of the decade, which was boy bands and stuff. There was this horrible moment where like supermodels took over. It's like I moved from L.A. back to New York and it Mm -hmm. was like page six and everything was about like the glamorous life. I was like, what the fuck, man? So I was watching MTV like had some fashion show or something some and uh and, and the guy from Filter was on and it, like and I mean when I say a fashion show it wasn't this like the house of fashion whatever the hell that thing was it was uh like literal models walking on a catwalk with bands playing in the middle of them and the guy from Filter was like yeah man we were playing uh, hey man nice shot and i got to the part where like the opening line i said i wish i would have met you and Kate Moss walked right by me So I'm thinking, he's going to say, yeah, and and the nihilism of this song really summed up the moment. I was like, this is it. This is how our superficial society goes. And all I could think was, man, I wish I had met Kate Moss before I started playing tonight. So. And from that moment, the four douchebag archetypes of this film were born, I think, and leapt to life. So, Uh, Carla Gugino is the cop. She infuriated me. She really annoyed me. And I'll tell you yeah. why. Because yeah. she has she's snooping around the house. She has no reason to suspect a crime. And she's like the worst cop on earth. <laughs> and she's running the plates on their yeah. cars. This annoyed me for some reason. Then she goes into the house. Thomas Jane has had the full hilarious mind blow where he's like, you know, painting with his own feces on the wall and stuff and like writing heavy stuff and drawing eyeballs. And she walks in by herself he's twice her size she never draws a gun and then uh she, and then at one point where she puts together that the, he's buried the bodies down by the ocean which in hilarious like rectangle graves very clearly can only be human body burial sites uh she turns mm-hmm. her back Run. on him and runs and uh yeah so this this annoyed. this was just another thing that bugged me and then um You know, he finally kills himself. And again, the hundred fucking shots to get to him throwing himself into oblivion. And then you have the punchline, which is the completely hilarious Breakfast Club reading of the letter in their voiceover where they, you know, we will all die as one. (laughs) It's like Thomas Jane, Christian McKay, (laughs) Rob Lowe, Jeremy Pivot. (laughs) So the ultimate douche movie that I love. Uh. But pure douche. Yeah, that's, it is a it's, bath of oh, vinegar and oh, water, man. unparalleled in human history.
1: Yeah, what, what, one one movie I never want to see again. Th- I th- will this see again. I out with you, like Ron Boof. Yes, uh, you, which you will, like Ron Boof. You know, yeah. really glad I yeah. watch it. Probably don't need to. And and one
0: uh, just good time anytime. movie. Any watch Any time. Pray for the Wildcats and. Uh, all right, so this yeah. uh, brings us to number five, Crackpot Cinema. So next episode, we were talking about. I, I by the way, I attempted to watch uh, Greaser's Palace last, night and we're just we're not doing. <laughs> could could people please send us suggestions for weird yeah, we gotta, movies? <laughs> we, we gotta watch more. So good movies. okay, so yeah. I'm thinking,
1: let's do, especially now more than ever, yeah. people need. Good recommendation. Yeah. right? So, there, so let's watch Lunatic so Liz so yeah, Taylor. We should, we should do because that's like, and, oh,
0: look, that and we'll great. have to do yeah. two of them because oh, okay, it's I'm like I could think of six movies immediately that, that qualify, and we'll do great. part one and two. I love and uh, it. we'll start with uh, Boom and Reflections in a Golden Eye, and Secret Ceremony is about to come out on Blu ray. Um, I don't have it yet, but there's so many, nice. and uh. So we'll next next week we'll do uh, lunatic Liz Taylor and we'll we'll do two parts of that we'll do three and three and uh, come back please join us and uh, as always Aaron you get the you get the parting line this time
1: and until then crack or get off the pot I'm Aaron Lee I'm Mike McPadden
0: see ya bye bye.